welcome back to the Frontier Podcast. Thank you. You've been here a bunch. You know the drill, but this is season three. Three. Couple like new forms of episodes this season. The one I'm most excited about is what we're recording today, which we're calling Mm. This Week in Tech History. And it is where we talk about something that happened this week in tech history. The the acronym. TWIF. Twif. (laughs) It's really terrible. I said it a few times. But it stuck with me, so I think it's maybe effective. So that's good. I have a lot of, like, I don't know what the word is. Maybe just, like, love for words that have a TH in them because I feel like we understand (laughs) each other. Like, my name is really hard for some people to say, especially if Mm. English isn't your first language. True. And TH... Actually, F and TH are pretty much impossible to discern over the phone. Like when somebody asks mm. me for my name over the phone and I say Faith, they're like, oh, yeah, Dave, got it. Um, so <laughs> me and Twith, we have something in common, which is maybe why I'm excited for these episodes. But yep. we're going to talk about a fact today. It's a random tech history fact. I'm going to read what happened this week in tech history And we're both going to learn something. Everyone who's listening is going to learn something. And then we're just going to shoot the shit about what the thing is, why we think it was important, what kinds of changes it may or may not have spurred, and how we can see the the impacts of that event playing out today. Um, And this one's especially relevant because AI has been um, dominating at least my newsfeed for the last couple months. Wait. What's what's AI? <laughs> what's <I'm sorry>. AI? <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So this week in tech history, the thing that happened was Deep Blue won its first game against Gary Kasparov. On February 10th, 1996, IBM supercomputer Deep Blue became the first computer program to defeat a world champion in a classical game under tournament regulations. I love that just qualifier. They could, they did not cheat. <laughs> Considering that between the years of 1984 and 2005, he was ranked number one in the world for 255 overall months. This was no small feat. He meaning Gary. This one by Deep Blue was significant because it marked the first time in computing history that an artificially designed intelligence system approached the complex capabilities of the human brain. Would we call our capabilities complex? I'm not sure. My brain is a little, uh, it's pretty, pretty black and white in there, but because there are a limited number of possible moves, albeit in the millions in a chess game, Deep Blue was able to calculate its moves based on cycling through a large number of possibilities and choosing the move with the highest probability of leading to Mm. a winning outcome. It's often referred to as brute computational force. Wow. What a term. True. (laughs) I can't wait. The next time I send you like a a spreadsheet to review, I'm going to be like, get ready for some brute (laughs) computational force. Well, we already know the human mind is limited. It's true. It's true. While Deep Blue ultimately did not win the six-game match, Kasparov won four to two. The two had a rematch from May 3rd to 11th. Why did it have to be a week long? I don't know. In 1997. In that match, Deep Blue won two games when Kasparov resigned and 
uh, gained another match and a half when the two parties mutually agreed on a draw for three other matches. Wow. Deep Blue ultimately won three and a half to two and a half. I didn't know you could get half scores in chess, but wow. Deep Blue coming through with the chess wins. Mm. First of all, Tyler, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Gary Kasparov. You are coming in hot. Oh, boy. 255. Actually, at this point, at this point, it was really just like 10 years of him being number one in the world in chess. And you get beat by a computer. And this isn't like a, this isn't a 2023 computer. This is a 1996 big old box computer. It's um, filling the room. I'm yes. just kidding. It's probably Maybe. not quite that big, but <laughs> at least a desk. It's not the 70s. How do you feel? Okay, so I actually don't think if I'm Gary, which I'm not, but I'm number one in the world. So if I get beat, everyone else is, is getting beat more quickly or more easily than me. So I'm sort of like, this is just technology improving. Right. Like, I don't know that it's a slight. I mean, other than maybe to his pride to some extent. Yeah. But nobody else in the world is better than you. So you're still the best human on the planet that can play chess. I ran track growing up. It was never great. But if I was and I was the fastest in the world and then I, all of a sudden I get beat by a robot, I'm like, well, it's a robot. I mean, mm. I don't know that I'm that like upset. Yeah. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Yeah. You're not like pissed as a runner. You're not like, well, there's a Lamborghini that can go zero to 300. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so maybe that's the same thing, I guess. I'm sure to some extent there there's some embarrassment because technology. I mean, maybe not. I'm, I'm totally reading into this, but, you know, for you to be number one in the world and then to get beat by a computer, that's I'm sure that made a lot of headlines and might have been like a slight on again, like his performance in in the game. But at the same time, I think today with where technology is and how it's advanced and how rapidly it's advancing, like we would look at that and go, yeah, there's a lot of things today that a computer can do better than a human. Um, Obviously not everything, but there's a lot. And that's the thing to be ashamed of, right? It's sort of like they alluded to in the article, computational power and, and in chess, like that's, that's an easy thing to attack. As they said, you know, even though there's millions of moves, it's still computation. So. Yeah. And I always, when I'm doing these, this week in tech history, it's so easy to compare the thing, the historical event to what we know to be possible today. Mm. And it's kind of like, yeah, well, no shit. AI can win a chess match, obviously. But Abby shared this fact. So this win kind of set the stage for Google to develop AlphaGo. And they they set out to be able to win an even harder game, which is the Chinese game of Go, uh, which also incorporates, it's not just like brute computational force, but it also incorporates intuition and creativity, which of mm. course, like those are, those are like new, new skills, I guess we would call them of AI. Well, yeah, it's harder to quantify. Right. So Google wasn't able to win a game of Go until 2016. Uh, so mm. The AlphaGo wasn't able to win a game of Go until 2016, which is 20 years after 
Deep Blue won the game against Gary Kasparov. Uh, since AlphaGo teaches itself, it might be sort of difficult to, uh, to find out why these moves are being played. Mm -hmm. um, they do lose co-threats, so there's a real loss. In some cases, uh, this kind of thing would be losing points too. Um, and so there is a, a, uh, an implied uh, loss in playing such moves also. And I think it would be good if they could be weeded a, um, out. Do we have a, res do we have a, um, I wonder if we have a resignation here. It could be that Lee Siddall has resigned. Yeah, Lee has, I, I'm, I'm getting word Lee has resigned. Yes. So as you said, I a couple we, points yeah. behind after oh, the pity. I, I would have liked to see the counting. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get an official count at some point, but I'm, I'm going to trust Michael's count on Yeah, this, that's so. super interesting. Yeah, it's like, it, it to me is a prime example of, what's the graph called? It's the technological advancement where it's like steady, steady, nice and slow. And then there's kind of like one or two major changes. And Yeah, stepwise change. Yeah. Yes. And then it's just like a vertical leap. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we've really seen that over the last five to eight years but yeah up until like 2016 i feel like we were still on that more horizontal uh growth trajectory right? well and and i almost wonder too like i mean yeah i think there's truth to that but it would have been interesting to see and i'm sure you could go back and look but the reaction like culturally to deep blue beating kasparov right for the first time this has been a classic confrontation this afternoon of man versus machine. Oh, there it is. And Kasparov has soundly defeated the Neutron 9000. Thank you. Thank you. I find it amusing. All machines are just wires, nuts, and bolts. They're stupid by nature. I think we, at least in the Western world, have a tendency to maybe over-dramatize like events like that. And I would be interested to go back and unpack like what were the articles? Like, what, did they think at that point AI was going to take over the world? And there's always a question about how that affects jobs. And, you know, was it a big question mark or, you know, were people really scared about the future of, of technology and AI after something like that happens that, you know, sort of hits the world stage as a stepwise change, right, relative to, to human ability. So like you said, there's a span of 20 years before AI could advance well enough to be a game of Go. Hmm. So it obviously doesn't happen maybe as fast as sometimes we think, but it would have been interesting to unpack sort of the, the response to that. Yeah. Well, I feel like one of the most obvious pop culture responses would be The Matrix, mm. right? Yeah. And The Matrix came out in 99. So that's three years later. And fun fact about me, I watched The Matrix for the first time two weeks ago. <laughs> wow, nice. So this is fresh. <laughs> but I feel, I feel like the... I don't think this is a hot take. The sentiment in The Matrix is like, AI is terrifying and we all need to run. Right. Yeah. 
Like yeah. there's really there's not many other ways to to analyze that movie. So I would suspect that <laughs> that's reflective of like maybe public opinion of AI at the time, which is like we don't know how, but this is going to ruin our lives. Yeah, and that's sort of the interesting thing I think looking forward from here, right? Is we're it feels like we're on the cusp of another big advancement at least with respect to transportation oh transportation yeah you know with obviously we've got you know self-driving cars that have been um you know really in in like test mode but in flight in certain certain metros already in the u.s i think phoenix you know you've got companies like waymo who who are already and there's a few others that are testing sort of um i mean legitimately self-driving where there's a car that shows up with no driver and you get in and it takes you to the next thing and You know, and so it feels like we're close to a, a change of that becoming more normal and all that goes with that, right? Like the trust or people willing to sort of put their lives in the hands of an algorithm and, and sensors, right? I don't know. It's that's really fascinating. So, but it feels to me like we're on maybe another change, but I also recognize that maybe that's like a tendency to always think is that you're on the cusp of like a some big breakthrough when you're actually yeah. still a ways out. No, I mean, I think, I don't think that's a hot take. I think we're certainly like in the midst of an AI revolution. Like just the the fact that ChatGPT is accessible to the public now, it's it's impacting the way I'm thinking about budget allocation and strategy of our Dinky marketing team. Mm. Because I'm thinking out a year from now, will people be using search engines or will we be optimizing internet content, not for users finding it on a search engine, so SEO, but for AI to pick it up and Yeah, like ingestibility. Right, exactly. And how do we how do we even begin to build a strategy around that when it's still, you know, a fairly unknown space, at least for little old me. So yeah. I think we're in it for sure. And I mean, everybody's writing about implications of AI and I think it's all valid. Like transportation is maybe like a bigger, more societal example. But I think like education is interesting. Like you'll hear kind of two two sides of the table. One is like AI is going to make kind of like writing and like any sort of academic skill irrelevant or unnecessary. But I think the flip side of that coin is like AI will allow us to learn at a faster clip than ever, right? Yeah. One thing that I will be interesting to see how how it impacts, I think, like society is, you know, by its nature, at least today, AI is really a function of what it can ingest and then learn and derive from that, which and, and all of that largely is produced by us as people. Right. And so to mm-hmm. your point of like, do the, if those skills go away, if there's less writing or original thought that's produced, does the, does the knowledge base start to degrade over time or does it not improve at the same rate? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. Like I'm not, I haven't spent enough hours. There's people way more knowledgeable about that than, than me, but it's an interesting question I think to consider and maybe that's just the method today of how AI functions and that'll wholly change within the next you know decade or two. But yeah, I'll tell you what, I'm very excited to not have to write quite as much copy in the future. <laughs> so if that's if that's a part of my job that AI can replace, I'd be thrilled. 
Yeah. Um, you do it well. I think all of the uh, all the readers of the Wayfair would agree. Oh yeah, yeah, that's fun. I just mean like microcopy, like deciding between right, two very right. similar prepositions. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah, AI can tell you which is more effective <laughs> in conversion. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Um, well, this has been fun, and it has also inspired me to relearn how to play chess. So maybe that'll mm. be my weekend activity this weekend. Yeah, and what was the um, what was the the Netflix show on your Taylor? Queen's, Queen's Gambit. Gambit. Yeah, yes. that was great. If you haven't watched it, I'm sure most people have by now. It's been out a while, but it was very good. It was excellent. I enjoyed we, it. we endorse it here at the Frontier Podcast. Yes. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io. We drop two episodes per week. So if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at the Frontier Pod and we'll see you next week. Wow. Number one in the world. For like 20 It's a lot years. of months. Yeah. Also, shout out to Abby who wrote this for giving that to me in months and not years. <laughs> what a 255 months. <laughs> it's like people, how old's your child instead of saying 21? <laughs> they just never, they never switch. They start in months and then it's never, That's never it. changed. That's it. Thanks for listening to the Frontier podcast produced by gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.